Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 31 for Monday, March 18th, 2019. My name is Johnny, but you might know me as Pixel Rifts, and joining me as always is Joel Duggan. Hello, Joel. Hello, sir. Why is there no turkey in Minecraft? <laughs> we've got, I have had we've got chicken and it's, yeah, it's not quite good enough. It's not the, the, the succulent meat you require, apparently. No, no. And we, they're not even, they don't even look like chickens. They're more like ducks. So we've got duckins in, in Minecraft <laughs> is what do. we have. We do. Is it a chicken or is it a duck? The question remains. So um, mm -hmm. aside from pining for turkey, let's do our quick login. What have you been up to in Minecraft this week? I pulled an audible on Friday and decided to attempt to stream from the realm of Vastin, which I have not mentioned or, or streamed from in a very long time, uh, for one very technical reason, and that is it's very difficult to do so. I have been working on the giant frost tree in the middle of uh, Salea, which is the name of the city uh, in realm of Vastin. They give it a name now. And it's such a big build and something that I have to have Photoshop open uh, usually at the same time uh, for like block counting and, and adjusting things and trying to get things to line up yeah. because I'm essentially taking uh, two different views of a drawing of a tree and translating it into Minecraft in 3D space. You're triangulating so, it basically. Is what yeah, you're essentially yeah. like it's, it's almost like you build the curve one way flat and then you have to flip and look at it from like the, you know, you build something so it looks good looking west and then you have to look either north or south at a 90 degree uh, turn and look at it and then you have to position it in that space so the x and the z and the y all have to be you know allocated and when you're doing and... it with something that large especially like I, I made that point in my custom tree video recently of saying like when you step down from like putting some leaves up in the tree walk around it because something that looks good from the front is not necessarily going to look good from the side and i was building a tree that was maybe 30 blocks high you're building something that goes to build height yeah it's uh starts at 88 and goes currently to around 190 that's, but that's the trunk that's still yeah that's the trunk and there's gonna yeah. be brunt like you know yeah. canopy structure above that wow yeah now i'm looking forward to the canopy structure because one there are some people on the server that are much better at that kind of stuff than i am mm -hmm. uh and two they don't require necessarily a technical drawing you can kind of go in there and well i want to say block spam but you can go in there and kind of like wing it you can yeah. you block from the hip and kind of get the kind of things that you want uh, and something that Fixit uh, reminded me of, because he was in, in the chat while I was streaming, uh, was that uh, on Vastin, all of the members have uh, spectator account abilities. So uh, for mostly for screenshots and cinematics and, and part of their YouTube storytelling. But on a big build like that, he was like, look, instead of, you know, trying to use rockets to fly around and try to get a glimpse of this thing as you're flying by at, you know, 20 miles an hour. Uh, don't forget you can use your spectator account to look at stuff, make sure it looks right. And I was like, oh, yes, that's a good, you know, it's an excellent idea. And a much better experience for um, Twitch viewers as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't have Photoshop open. I did have a screenshot of the trees, but I kept on having to leave my Minecraft window and move the drawing and, and look at stuff. So unfortunately, it for me, when I'm streaming on my Mac, it means that, well, one, you always have to do the the menu screen in... in um, in Minecraft. So people get like this grayed out menu screen for a couple times a minute. Like every time I go to check something, they ha I have to put the screen up. And uh, the way that OBS works with my Mac, it tends to minimize things. So it was a different stream. Uh, the, the capture window was not always exactly as I would want it for a stream. Not to mention, I often forgot to put the 
capture window back to full screen. Yeah. So there was a couple of times where it was it was you know it's kind of like when you leave the F3 screen on and you and you you're doing a bunch of stuff on stream. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't need <laughs> yeah, this, this on. Sorry, all this sorry to have all this just all this crap that. over the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it it was pretty successful. I had a lot of really positive feedback from it. Um, it it's kind of it's the VOD is still up. I'm curious as to what people might think because. It's my first time building something this large. I checked with people in the chat and no one had ever even tried something this large before. So yeah. seeing my process of it, uh, people did seem to think that it was interesting. And I gave everybody a fair warning, like, look, this is going to be a very chill stream because I'm I'm not going to be able to just like talk the whole time I do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot of block counting. But I think I think we got there in the end. We put in at least a couple of lines in the tree uh, and I've gone in and, and done some more work since but we're getting very close to actually being able to start to fill it in with the the textures and the and the color and stuff that we want it to be so i'm excited it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun i cannot wait to see screenshots of that thing once it's built man like just just the oh, scale thanks, you're working yeah. on to begin with i've seen some people make trees that size but they make them in creative and the fact that it's mm. all a survival build with the team you've got on vastan it's it's gonna yeah. look immense yeah, I think so too. It's going to look really good. We're, I'm getting I'm getting excited to put in the larger boughs. Like right now, it's the trunk with a couple of little sprigs kind of yeah, coming off of yeah. it. And once I get in some of the lower large branches, it'll look more like a it'll look less like a dead <laughs> a dead pine tree, <laughs> yeah, and a little bit more like a a, a magical kind of frost tree. Think mm -hmm. like think the kind of texture and stuff that you have with um like a cherry blossom tree yeah but instead of pink think white and like icy blue purple as opposed to as opposed to the pink the pink leaves uh yeah. and uh and stuff like that so but that's that's it for me uh what what have you been doing in in minecraft speaking of big builds uh i've been building some background scenery on my streams uh i i kind of wanted to start a project that we could do on stream and just kind of knock out a repetitive pattern over and over again so i could interact with my chat a little bit more and oh, cool. I hadn't introduced any concepts in videos that I'd, I'd done like an intro for that I then wanted to kind of go away on stream, do a bunch of work and then come back to a video because I wasn't that organized this week. So instead, what I did was I've started these archways that I'm building in the background, like in the mountain range, basically behind the area where I've been building all of my stuff. So like the top of the mountain there, I've got an ice farm. And beyond that, there are these deep valleys that I don't really plan on building anything in, in terms of like the functional stuff I want to build in the series. Like I've, I've built the ice farm on top of the mountain. There's nothing else that really needs to go in that valley. So what I thought I would do is build these giant kind of stone archways as though some sort of ancient civilization has left them there and abandoned them. And we were doing that on stream and I was just kind of coming up with the designs for these pillars, these archways that are about 18 blocks wide, roughly. And I'd wow. never built anything on that kind of scale. And it came together with a couple of them at first and then I finished a few more pillars. So it's got these kind of connected almost network of bridges now, some of which are across roads so that they go out in all four directions and others just kind of bridge from section to section with the pillars supporting them. And yeah, first time I've ever built something like that and I'm really happy with them so far. I think they look good. I posted a, a screenshot on my Twitter the other day just of it with, you know, some nice shaders on and a little bit of fog in the background and they look nice and mysterious, but they're not something I ever intend to explain because I don't have a tutorial around them or anything like that. They're just going to be there to be background for people to notice as I fly over headed towards something else or maybe if they have a a world download of it in future they can explore and be like oh what's this and I just I like the the sense of mystery developing in the world now that it's got a bit more narrative action going on 
Um, Asof- I, I am sorry I missed this stream, dude. These look amazing. Yeah, I just the- I went to look, go look up your pit Twitter, you know, at PixelRiffs for people that have no idea. But uh, yeah, that that is really, really cool. It's the kind of thing that you would walk by in an MMO and just not have the ability to go up there, but it just adds so much depth. Exactly, to, to exactly what I'm going for is that kind of the, the, the depth thing and it not necessarily being accessible, even though I can quite clearly fly up there and stuff. The the idea being, I don't know if you've ever seen the game Shadow of the Colossus, but there is this bridge that you walk across with your horse right at the beginning of the game. I don't think it's even gameplay. I think it's just a cutscene that happens. But there is this bridge that you, you ride over to get to the main area where the game takes place. But the bridge just extends for you know, into infinity in the fog in the distance behind you, but it's the same archway shape the entire time, as though it's just Mm. been built this kind of colossal way out to a land where basically nothing exists. And the mystery is, of course, like, why is this bridge even here in the first place? You know, who built that and why is it now abandoned, basically? And yeah, there's, there's this kind of overwhelming air of mystery to it that is fascinating to me, and it's the kind of thing that I want to build more of in my world, just for for background dressing, if nothing else. Um, yeah, aside- it's really cool when you consider stuff like that in terms of like render distance and and build height and like if you can get it to the point where like when people walk by a certain area that that the build continues beyond where their game is going to render, then yeah. it really yeah. does add that you know plus the fog effect and stuff like that. Like it really does add that sense of depth. I'm curious if you, if you don't mind me asking, uh, where you and I tend to be you know build focused and detail oriented and stuff like that. I, I get a sense of relief when I build stuff that's big and I don't want to say simple, but at least repetitive. Yeah. Uh, do you find do you find it's a nice break? Like just saying like, all right, well, it's not a complicated build. It's just large. I yeah. just have to build the same, you know, five by five block pattern over and over again. It totally is. I, I mentioned that on the stream even. It's just the fact that once I've got the pattern down, I can just reproduce that and I don't even have to think about it anymore. I can just mm. build a pillar that's, you know, 32 blocks high and then you know put this and this around it and and make sure i get the 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 sides kind of looking even but pattern building like that is great because once you've got it down once it it even if it's a, a little bit more of a complicated pattern repeating those patterns always makes the whole thing look more intentional it's like when you've got a group of dancers and one person dancing on their own can look a little bit goofy but if you've got five people dancing and they're all doing the same goofy dance they look like a professional dance crew now <laughs> you know right. it's the same kind of thing but with the patterns in builds you kind of you develop a pattern you do it several times it looks way more intentional it looks like a coherent theme even if the thing on its own didn't look very coherent to begin with. I started off feeling like less confident about how this whole thing looked. And then I built two and three more. And then I went, okay, this is a whole theme for this area now. It's it's pretty great. Nice. So no, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I, I missed that stream. I had other stuff going on. But yeah, I'll, I'll have to tune in the next time you're doing yeah. that. Aside from that, I've done a, a little bit more technical stuff. I did a kelp farm, which should feel like a long time coming at this point, but I feel like there was a heyday where kelp kelp blocks especially was like the sought after fuel because it was renewable and you could put so much of it in. And I have a double blaze farm, so I don't need to worry too much about the fuel side of things. I just thought, well, I may as well cover this for the Minecraft survival guide. Uh, and episode 101 of the survival guide was already recorded. And I, I wanted to record it just to go out on Monday, but then I thought, no, this kind of needs to be like a a landmark episode or the start of something new. So I'm putting it after episode 100. So I've recorded like a few days in advance now and I'm breaking bedrock for the first time. 
which uh, I actually went up to the nether ceiling, found a tutorial by a guy whose name I forget, but I mentioned it in the video. I think it was like Raging Donut or something like that. It was just one of the one of the tutorials <laughs> that came up when, yeah, I know, great name, right? Uh, it was yeah. one, of the, one of the tutorials that came up when I searched for it on YouTube. And the, the way to break bedrock using the kind of piston dislocation method and stuff, it's so weird and esoteric and you would never know about it otherwise. And that's part of what frustrates me about that. Obviously, it's not an intended mechanic, but... The idea mm. that you have to just arrange pistons this certain way and you have to be looking in certain directions when you do this and there are redstone blocks with rails on that you put in the air and you don't really know why. And I tried to go, go through it a second time once I'd done it once and sort of explain what I thought was going on. But even then, I end up with like such a halfway explanation of what any of this actually does. I'm fairly certain I got most of it wrong. But I yeah, I've broken bedrock. I can get onto the nether roof now and eventually... That's going to lead to a few different things. The gold farm up there is probably going to happen at some point just for efficiency of pigman spawning. Um, I've seen some people actually take uh, vindicators back from woodland mansions over the nether roof uh, just because it's easier to lay down a rail when you've got like 400 blocks of nothing that you can move across instead of having to tunnel through the nether to do it so right. th there's potential for stuff like that to happen for like ghast farms to be built up there or something like that in the fullness of time but right now i just thought with 1.14 nearly being feature complete and and getting to the point where it might be coming out the bedrock breaking methods that work in 1.13.2 might not work in the next version so if we're going to break uh, bedrock i'd better do it now before mm -hmm. that that method of doing it goes away completely and it may not be possible at all. You might have to do it in creative or somebody else is going to have to figure out a way of doing it that's going to take them, you know, six months of research at that point. So yeah, I decided I would better do it, you know, now while I still had the chance. And then I took a little look around my world in the snapshot for Tuesday's video. I actually uh, took a backup of it, loaded up the snapshot and walked around my town and added lanterns and added a campfire to a chimney in one of the builds and it's oh, cool it's actually making me look forward to this update even a little bit more than i was just to see this stuff in in the 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 world that i've already built up instead of just on snapshot test worlds you know so yeah. I'm, I'm excited we should get into the news speaking of snapshots because the, we, the, we should yeah I, just anecdotally like good or bad how did you find the texture switch because you've been running like the vanilla three 13.2 yes right uh, it's it really wasn't bad i think nice. the majority yeah. of it is just it, it looks like vanilla minecraft a little bit different i will totally get used to it um, yeah a little I'm, higher contrast a little bit more cartoony but other than that not a lot of big changes yeah and i've seen some really great builds lately with people using red brick and polished andesite together and stuff looks like it has a stronger outline and that improves builds like that instead of diminishing them like everything feels like mm -hmm. it pops a little bit more and so you can almost imagine a 3d effect to it as though there is naturally some 3d in the wall like the bricks aren't always mm -hmm. going to be set perfectly straight with each other and flat so yeah, I, I think there are, there are some some areas where it really shines through and it is a massive improvement. The rest of it, I think, is just kind of the same. Um, and I'm fine with that. Like, I, I've even gotten used to the slightly stripy stone texture at this point. Like, it's it's kind of, it's starting to gel for me, I think. And once we're thrown full on into 1.14 anyway, then then yeah, I'm I think I'm going to be okay with it. Cool. So let's talk news because this is going to basically be the news and the discussion for this episode. We're going to go through the bullet points of this week's Java snapshot, but according to the changelog, as I was saying, 1.14, the village and pillage update for Java edition is basically feature complete now. 
uh, and that's according to the snapshot, which we will have linked in the show notes. There's a lot of stuff has basically been added in in terms of the villager trading stuff and changes to villager behaviors and everything. So we'll go through that a bit at a time. We'll cover a couple of the other small things in this new section, but then our main discussion after we read some chunk mail is going to be about the snapshot in general, the feature completeness of 1.14 and our opinions. So stick around for that. But uh, how about you take us through the uh, the snapshot bullet points first of all? Sure. This is a snapshot 19w11a slash b. They had a small uh, bug fit fix update that came a day or so later after the uh, the a came out. Uh, worth noting that they actually didn't tag it as a or b uh, at first. It was just 19w11. I think that's for uh, the sim- which... simplicity of the URL because a lot of the time yeah. you'd go to the b snapshot link and it would just be a link back to 19w11a, but then you know, the B snapshot mm. stuff would just be added at the top. Saves a little at bit of top. confusion, I guess. It's just like, this is yeah. week 11. <laughs> oh, it's definitely, yeah, definitely clearer, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I agree. Uh, villager changes. Villagers now have a daily schedule. They go to work and meet at the village bell. Uh, each villager will try to find their own bed or workstation. Workstations are now required for villager to adopt uh, that profession. Village detection is now based on beds, job sites, and meeting points instead of doors. Iron golems will spawn when enough villagers meet. Trading changes include trading UI is updated, but will still, uh, but it's still a work in progress. Villagers must now level up to unlock new trades. Uh, they did before; it's just clearer now in the UI. Yeah, lots yeah. of trades have been added. Uh, a villager profession won't always have the same set of trades. Prices now depend on your reputation and the demand of that trade. Villagers must go to workstations to restock up twice per day. Smithing table and fletching table have crafting recipes. Functions of these workstations have not been added. They will not have any functionality in this update. They've said that the changelog uh, suggests that the functionality will be the next major update, which I have some thoughts on. Uh, new accessibility menu, lots of accessibility improvements, adjusting transparencies for readability, toggle narrator subtitles on and off, etc. cetera. Um, all that stuff is great. TNT and TNT minecarts now drop 100% of the blocks they break. I didn't, they didn't word this quite the way that I think they should have at first because I didn't understand it until I watched a video. But when a TNT block blows something up, it will not blow up any of the drops. All of the drops will be left on the ground yes. unless another piece of TNT blows up the entities on the ground. Yes. Then, and then, it, then you lose them. It's also worth noting that creeper explosions are unaffected by this change. So if a creeper blows something ah. up, you're still going to lose some blocks. That is the lose nature blocks. of creepers. But and that if, makes sense. Yeah, if it's TNT, then it said TNT now has a 100% drop rate, which sounded weird at first. But then, yeah, if mm-hmm. you think of it as all of the blocks that TNT breaks actually drop as entities, if that makes sense. Yeah, and the last note is that the new globe pattern for banners, uh, which was only available in Creative... Uh, sorry, it is only available in Creative so far, but that's been added to, to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's a cool one. I'm I'm waiting for it to be added to some of the external tools that I use to design banners. Um, I'm thinking of needcoolshoes.com in particular mm-hmm. is the one that has the banner designer that I use. Um, and it's going to be fun to see how... The, like, the globe pattern looks really cool. For those of you guys who haven't seen it, it's effectively... Uh, a globe looking thing but it's in the form of a cube it's shaped like a like a cube like the you know a minecraft block viewed from the isometric kind of angle the sort of you're looking at mm-hmm. the corner of it and uh, obviously there were a lot of comments immediately on that post that was like well check checkmate flat earthers you know uh but i, I think 
<laughs> and it, te- te- technically, the world is still flat. It's just flat on six sides. But uh, <laughs> the, 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 the globe pattern is cool. I'm looking forward to playing with it and seeing how you can overlay it with different designs. Because mm. one of the big things about banner design for me is using that negative space and like overlaying a wither skull over the top of an oxide daisy pattern, but having the wither skull be like the same color as the background so it cuts out a section of the oxide daisy pattern instead of laying on top of it and that's mm-hmm. how you get some really interesting banner designs together but without like playing around with it too heavily in game which is not the most intuitive way of designing banners although with the loom block now it might be slightly better but i prefer using external tools and i can kind of you know move layers up and down and stuff and 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 edit stuff that way so i'm, I'm waiting for the globe to be added to one of those so i can really see what that can do but uh, it looks fun. And the TNT change is great. I'm so happy that TNT is now dropping more of the blocks because that yeah. was... Uh, the, I think we briefly touched on the Il Mango video recently where TNT drop rate got nerfed and that basically meant that a bunch of his automated resource farms were not going to be nearly as effective as they right. had been previously, which kind of kind of made no sense as a change. Mm-hmm. I, I I am reminded of old Etho videos when he was trying to figure out the perfect placement for TNT when mining a tunnel so that it would take out all the blocks around it without, you know, in, in, a, in a pattern that was usable, that yeah. he would only have minimal amount to clean up. And it, I remember watching him thinking, like, this is just too much work. <laughs> like, it just, it yeah. is just far easier to just mine the tunnel. Yeah. You know, just, <laughs> just go for it. Now, this is all, I mean, this was probably, like, pre-beacons i would imagine yeah yeah uh you know watching because these were old videos uh, but it was it's still interesting to say the least that you know tnt was back then being explored as a as a mining um tool and because it did not drop the 100 of the blocks that it blew up uh it was a lossy tool so it feels like people are like well i'm not going to use it i mean it's fun to destroy things with tnt but like i kind of want some of these blocks back yeah so uh to use it in that way would be uh would be great like think about it not necessarily in in something like a a, uh, a machine that would drop a lot of tnt because if it's dropping it too close then you're going to have some loss there but digging out something where if you controlled the tnt where it would only blow up at a certain rate or a certain distance from from uh itself then you could dig through stuff a lot faster depending on what you're doing like getting through the top layer of dirt and stone on a build where you're only going down like six or ten blocks would be would be much faster yeah and you can even use it for automated resource mining as long as you could guarantee that the tnt wouldn't destroy the blocks because you could get coal drops that way you know you could get Mm. all all kinds of stuff and it's it's not going to it's, it's going to destroy all blocks but have them drop as you know, whatever ore they tend to drop, you can get lapis Break and them coal off the and wall, redstone. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And and there's mm-hmm. there's opportunity for that to be paired with a flying machine and a TNT duplicator and a TNT launcher. And now you've got a machine that can dig through tunnels infinitely as long as the chunks are loaded. You know, there's there's exciting mm. ramifications for that. And and the ability to kind of tunnel bore through the underground and collect all of the drops as you go is is an intriguing concept. I like that a lot. Uh, one more piece of news we wanted to touch on before we get too heavily into the snapshot discussion is that Minecraft is coming to Xbox Game Pass. Xbox Game Pass being a, a service that's basically a subscription thing. The first month is a dollar, additional months are $9.99 per month. I'm pretty sure all these figures are US dollars. Um, and you can download games which are like part of the subscription service as though you own them, basically. It's kind of like, you know, uh, a pay monthly service to get a bunch of games instead of having to buy games individually. Uh, this is, of course, for the Bedrock edition of the game for um, 
you know, Xbox One uh, that has crossplay with Nintendo Switch, Windows 10, uh, VR, iOS, and Android. So that's very much like the the centralized play with everyone kind of experience outside of the Java edition being on PC. Uh, and that's going to be from April 4th, 2019. Minecraft is going to be on Game Pass. And I don't think it's going to necessarily reach an audience that it wouldn't have reached already because a lot of people just own Minecraft anyway or would consider buying it individually and don't care about the other stuff on Game Pass. But it's going to be interesting to see if anybody who, you know, coincidentally has Game Pass is going to try out Minecraft for the first time if they hadn't really considered it before. I think that's where they're probably going with this is is just access. You know, like I've had a couple of conversations with uh, people that I, I've crossed paths with over the last few weeks, yeah, uh, where their parents and they their kids are into Minecraft, but they don't know what it is and they don't know how to participate or stuff like that. And if, as a parent on a budget, like if you can try it out, or or your kid says, "Hey, can we buy Minecraft?" and you're just like, "Well, I don't know what it is, and it's thirty dollars, and like, which one do I buy?" Like, if if it's there to try on Xbox Game Pass, if it's a gaming household already, like if you know, mom and the, and the older brother or sister already have Game Pass and then the younger sibling and say say mom or dad want to try Minecraft together to not have to pay extra to give it a go um, would be great. And then you could decide, you know, whether you want to, well, whether you wouldn't have to buy it if you, if you continued on with Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Um, also, for a dollar, you could play Minecraft for a month. Yeah. And it's you know, that's and just pretty, decide pretty, uh... you know love it or hate it, right? I mean that, that that that's pretty accessible, and that's the kind of thing where like you know a kid could say I'll pay for it, you know, and yeah. it's, it's it's something they, that they, they can totally, totally earn, do, earn, right? a, earn a dollar here and there, and yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's a a good notion, and it's definitely like Minecraft. It seems to be on the rise globally anyway. Like you're seeing a lot of people streaming Minecraft, a lot of people picking up Minecraft, if not for the first time, then coming back to it after a long period of time and yeah. having got plenty of comments on the survival guide about how you know people are getting back into minecraft and found the guide and thought that was a a good way of getting back into some of the newer updates then you know game pass could be worth a shot for people who maybe if they're you know they don't have it on the the current generation of consoles if you played on xbox 360 now you have an xbox one you didn't want to buy minecraft again but it's accessible to you on game pass worth a try yeah (laughs) we're we're always in favor of more minecraft players here on this podcast it's almost like we're biased or something our chunk mail this week actually ties into the topic, so I will go ahead and dive into that now. It is from Zero Fox seventy five. Hi Joel and Pix. First time sending any chunk mail, but I had to say something with the new changes to villagers. My question to you guys is: Do you think Minecraft is trying to be too much like modded with the latest villager update? To me, it feels a lot like Tango Tech's villager mod, with the way villagers are more uh, have more options about their professions, have schedules, and need beds. Uh, maybe great minds just think alike. Uh, Zero Fox seventy five also had a question for me. Uh, if you want to drop me a line at my at my website joelduggan.com, I'd be happy to talk to you about that kind of stuff too. So uh, we're not ignoring the, the the rest of your email. Just it was not really uh, focused on spawn chunks. But uh, I uh, it's it it seems I don't think in this case that the left hand knew what the right hand was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would imagine, given the turtle pace that Mojang adds features to this game, that they were working on this villager uh, update long before Tango had started posting videos uh, about his uh, his villager mod. Uh, however, um, I don't necessarily feel like it's mod-like. 
I think maybe that that association is happening just because of the timing of Tango Tech's Vulgar Mod um, being developed and and published uh, publicized in his videos so recently compared to the release date or and the snapshot updates that we're getting. Um, I don't play enough modded to draw the comparison. You play more modded than I do. Have you ever come across a mod that feels like the Villager update? I don't think so. I think the way they've implemented it feels quite vanilla to me. It feels like it, it, it doesn't feel kind of outlandish compared to what we already have in the vanilla game. And, you know, just adding stuff like turtles and dolphins and coral in the previous update I think was compared to modded for for the update aquatic simply because coral had only previously been seen in you know updates like biomes of plenty with the the, the mods sorry like biomes of plenty and and more more creatures having stuff like turtles and dolphins and scorpions and that kind of thing you know so mm. I think when you know you don't know what the direction of Minecraft is you don't really have a lot of other stuff to compare it to besides community made mods and like you say, with Tango's villager mod being kind of a prominent thing right now, that's the first point of comparison people are going to have. And I feel like it is a great minds think alike sort of situation. N not that I, I want to, you know, diminish what Tango is doing or diminish what the Mojang team are doing. No, not at all. I, I feel like they're coming up with the same ideas simply because that's sort of what the villagers in the game needed to begin with. They mm -hmm. needed a little bit more depth, a little bit more control over the professions and the ability to effectively create a village anywhere, which is kind of what, what is happening with them. Uh, we'll go into this in a second, but kind of untying villages from a mechanic of needing doors within a certain area. Now you can make villages underground <laughs> and because it, it right. ties the villagers to more to their own data and then also to needing workstations and beds if you want to trade with them. There's there's a little bit more stuff going on under the hood there that I would like to think, like you said, Joel, is probably coming from a place where Mojang has wanted to do some kind of update like this for a while and is just now getting to it around the same time Tango is like, well, if they aren't going to do anything about villagers, then I might as well try. <laughs> and mm -hmm. yeah, it, it seems like it's that Mojang might well be drawing on, you know, community made stuff just to get a little bit of a little bit of feedback about exactly what they should do with villagers, but I don't think they're kind of copying his stuff note for note. I feel like they they see where the community wants changes with villagers to happen, and Tango's mod is also reflecting that, I think. And, yeah. and by the way, Tango's mod has progressed far beyond the kind of updates that we're getting to villagers. He's got enchanters working in villagers now that will automate enchanting books and items for you and stuff like yeah. that. And, and, and doesn't he have guards too? Like there's yes. all kinds of stuff happening. Yeah, like yeah. Is, the, and I think that the, one of the reasons why those the, the Tango's mod and the village and pillage update feel similar is because Tango would also have his kind of finger on the pulse of what players want. You yeah. know, being a popular, you know, YouTuber, Minecrafter, you know, member of Hermitcraft uh, has a large community of his own. Um, and so he would be making decisions for his mod in the same way that Moyang is making decisions for their update. And they're listening to the community and what they feel uh, is their version of what is being um I want to say I don't want to say asked for, but the criticism like it's their response to the criticisms of the current villager system. Yeah. Um, both of which you'll notice uh, negate the whole idea of you know pulling putting a villager in a one by one. 
you know, and yes. using them for uh, a trading, we'll say, quote unquote, guest <laughs> yeah. for, for a long, long time. I mean, and it goes up with all the other stuff that, you know, Mo Yang does in terms of environmental awareness. And like, you can't, you know, you, you can't or shouldn't kill dolphins in the game. It's of no benefit to you because that's cruel. And they want to kind of put that foot forward. Well, you know, putting people <laughs> or villagers uh, in a one by one box and saying, oh, you get to live here forever and give me what I want. Also, not really the message that Mo Yang probably wants to send. Yes. So uh, I feel like that that both Tango and, and Mo Yang are heading in, in that direction. It's funny. Uh, I, had a, which... I, I had a realization on a stream the other day that counteracts a point I made in a previous episode of the Spawn Chunks where I said that none of the uh, hostile mobs in the game, none of the mobs that will attack the player just out of nowhere are necessarily like things that you find in real life like zombies phantoms skeletons that kind of thing right. obviously obviously skeletons are in real life they aren't animate and they don't shoot you with bows uh <laughs> um right. and, unless unless you've really annoyed somebody in which case there is probably more dressing on top of the skeleton anyway uh, <laughs> pedantry aside i realized spiders <laughs> spiders are hostile and they are real world things obviously real world spiders unless you live in australia aren't like four foot long but yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's like an arachnophobia situation right but but that's yeah. I feel like that's the only real instance of a real world thing that you are encouraged to attack and farm for resources in that way. And, you know, that kind of ties in with like witch brewing and stuff like that with spider eyes. But yeah, the spiders being cartoonishly large is kind of a typical monster thing anyway. So, oh, that's it's yeah. well, it's the same in every game. Every, every kind of adventure RP slash mo, uh, MMO I've ever seen or played has got some form of giant spider repeated yeah. throughout the. It's like, oh, we're in a new zone. Awesome. What's the first mob? Oh, this time it's a giant blue spider instead of the giant green spider that yeah, you yeah. fought in the first zone. <laughs> like or, it's just, or, it's it's always... a, or it's a slime. There are these archetypes they fall into for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of that stems back to stuff like Lord of the Rings and like, you know, true fantasy kind of like, yeah. not tropes, but like traditions. I, yeah, we'll say. I, High fantasy time. fiction tends to do that. Dungeons yeah. and Dragons would do it, that kind of thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, for sure. So in the topic this week, we wanted to dive into the idea that 1.14 is now more or less feature complete. How do you feel about that? And I, I know we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about trading and villagers and stuff like that, but I wanted to kind of put a thought out there and see what uh, you think, Johnny, but also the, the listeners that get home. Overall, the feeling or my feeling at this point with the snapshots is that there is a lot of complicated mechanics being added or changed in the game, many of which I don't exactly feel player base was asking for. So yes, I'm talking about like the changes to villagers and villages and stuff like that. I'm not saying they're bad, but I'm saying like, I don't hear people, you know, champing at the bit saying villagers are so broken please change them. I don't want to be able to get all these emeralds and all this cool stuff all the time. <laughs> uh, where other things that I do hear from players like new blocks, crafting variants, uh, they're getting sprinkled in at best to the point where even the new blocks like the fletching and the smithing table are not going to get functionality for this update. Mm -hmm. And that to me is a giant tease. It's really disappointing. We've had these blocks for weeks in terms of the snapshots and we've been trickled out, you know, week by week. Oh, you get the functionality for this one or these two this week. And then the following week we'll have a UI for the new one, but then it doesn't do anything. So we don't know what exactly it does and all this kind of stuff. And, and even then the functions of stuff like the smelter and the blast furnace, <clears throat> excuse me, have just been faster smelting and faster cooking. Like there's, it's not really adding anything new. It's just speeding up existing processes. And 
I'm wondering if that's going to be part of some of the backlash that we might see from these changes, because to me, I can't speak to the development of, of what goes on behind the scenes at Mojang. It feels like new blocks and new block variants like walls and fences and slabs and <clears throat> uh, vertical slabs, that sort of thing are a relatively easy feature to add to the game and something that people are asking for constantly. So I'm wondering, you know, where the balance is with like, well, here, let's spend all of our time adding something really complicated that no one seems to be asking for and then trickle in the stuff that people we know we you want. We know millions of players want new blocks and want new features and want new, you know, light, you know, emitting blocks like the lantern. Here's one. We'll give you one. And I'm being a little cheeky, but it, it to me feels it feels like it feels like it's unbalanced. I'm not saying it's bad. All of the changes that we're getting are good and I'm happy for them. I'm not you don't take back my stone slabs. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I want those. Uh, but but it's one of those things that I feel is I I wonder if as as someone that's focused on building, I'm just not seeing the whole picture. So overall, like what are your thoughts so far on the feature complete version of 114? Uh, to your point, I'm thinking, <laughs> looking at this from Mojang's perspective and playing devil's advocate a little bit here, although am I implying that Mojang is the devil with that? Because I'm not. Please don't, don't, don't think that I am. Uh, I think Mojang is in the business as a game developer of giving the players what they need and not what they want. Mm. because I think villagers have needed an upgrade for a while, and this was a convenient time to do it. I feel like maybe because... You know how Minecraft tracks statistics in behind the scenes, right? It will track how many steps you have taken. It will track how many slices of cake you have eaten. It will track yeah. how many villagers you have interacted with. I wonder, because it is actually possible, I think, for Mojang to receive certain like information about that stuff from players... Um, I think you have to you have to turn it on. You have yeah, to you, say you, yes. You send, enable send Mojang um, player data to help improve the game. You yes, have to give it a, snooper, a yes or no. Yeah. Snooper settings, I believe, is what it's yes. called. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder if they've seen behind the scenes that people are interacting with villagers less, or they've seen through YouTube videos and so forth that the way they interact with villagers is by locking them in cells and only going to them when they need certain things, rather than interacting with them as a complete feature and that's what's flipped right. the switch and said okay we need to do something about villagers to make them feel like more a more cohesive part of the world of minecraft because people mm -hmm. will create giant pens for cows they can create like vast fields and stuff like that but if they want to make a village they put everybody in a cell with six doors and tell them to breed you know like th there are there are different ways of interacting with villagers and they want to bring villagers a little bit more under control of the player whilst also making them feel like a slightly deeper feature. And there's there's a certain, like, saying we want new blocks all seems very well, but then those new blocks have to have resources attached to them. They have to do something. That resource also, ha also has to have some kind of other feature to fit in with Mojang's design philosophy of everything having more than one use. There's a lot to go into that thinking about what the blocks are going to be used for. And realistically speaking, we have all of these new crafting, like the new workstations, which don't just have villager functionality. They also have aesthetic functionality. We have grindstones, which are this new block, which 
is a sub block size and looks like a wheel so it can be used for like building trams or like trains with the kind of overhead wires or something like mm-hmm. that there, there are a whole variety of things that aren't just like oh we have a new green block we have a new purple block it it, it varies depending on what people's definition of a block is and i think focusing just on we want more resources to build cool stuff with is only going to hit a certain proportion of the player base whereas changing the mechanics around villagers encouraging people to build stuff for villagers it kind of interacts with a lot more of the different subcultures within the minecraft player base it's going to interact with technical players because they're going to have to figure out new ways of setting up trading halls and iron golem farms and stuff like that it's going to interact with casual players because they'll see wandering traders come in and maybe they'll be tempted to you know make more stuff for a village and villagers uh are, are going to be more attracted to certain types of blocks so builders can work those blocks into their designs and have villagers hang around a little bit more I think right. I think it's it's a more holistic view of it than kind of zeroing in on the stuff that individual people want in the game and have been asking for and have like, you know, a couple of upvotes on the Minecraft suggestions Reddit. I think this is like a, a, a problem with the game that they think needs updating rather than people just wanting it. Right. But and 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 I'll put in like a a, a counter argument that goes along that lines is like, you know, villagers villages, excuse me, villages, the the place. Uh, getting the overhaul that they're getting in terms of how they appear just natively in in Minecraft, and now this this way that villages and villagers work and interact with the player, it's go it's going to encourage more uh, of the redesign a village, right? Like yeah. make your own village, uh, create the paths that you want these these villagers to go, give them beds, give them homes, make your own blacksmith shop, put the uh, smithing table in it so that yeah. your blacksmith can will hang out there and do what you want as opposed to wandering off like a moron. And and I and I like all that. But then they also say like, hey, we're gonna give you stairs and slabs in, you know, granite and diorite and and uh and stone. But you know that concrete stair and slab that you've been asking for forever that would do really well in redesigning a village? Nope, can't have those. And yeah. I know, again, I'm being cheeky, but but it's one of those things where like it's some of the blocks and some of the things that I think they could give us creatively to round out the villager update are not there. And I don't see the bottleneck, right? I don't see why it's so difficult to do that. Now, all that said, I don't want to dwell on this too long, but uh, out of curiosity, how do you feel about seeing the fletching table and seeing the smithing table for so long? And then realizing, oh, by the way, we're not going to give those functionality in 1.14. I'll agree with you. It's a disappointment. I think it's mm. it's a shame to have all of this stuff added ostensibly as part of the same update. And then two of the things don't work. Uh, then again, they do work as villager workstations. So they still have that kind of functionality right. to them. Yeah. You can still put down a fletching table and a an unemployed villager will become a fletcher. By the way, right. I love that. I've been playing yes. around with the villagers just in a testing world, and I love being able to swap through villager professions. And it's already like it's firing off my mind already about an idea mm-hmm. where maybe you have a trading hall where you have one villager, but then you just move the workstations in and out, and then the villagers' trades keep like switching around. So you have one villager who's your entire trading hall and is like a Renaissance man of he does everything. And right. you just have to like use some redstone contraption to push or pull the uh the, the workstations closer. Oh, now crafting 
crafting crafting blocks in the piston feed tape, right? Just like, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, the thing you, is, you, I, yeah. I haven't actually checked how many of these new crafting stations are pushable. I think some of them probably won't be like barrels, for example, won't be pushable oh, in Java yeah, because they're right. a container. Same with lecterns, right. I imagine, because they have redstone functionality themselves, but also because they can contain books. It might be a little bit more hazy. But like like right. I said, if, if you can just have like a... A, a block swapper that puts a fletching table in front of the guy instead of a smithing table, and then suddenly he switches from a an, an, a, a smith to a, a fletcher, then that would be fantastic. I, I would love that mm -hmm. as an idea. Um, but anyway, going back to what you're saying, yeah, the, the fletching and smithing tables felt like they would have some sort of functionality, and from the changelog, they know what that functionality is, and they're just not adding it yet because they think it makes sense for a future update. That's, it's kind of a, I'm side-eyeing Moyang at this point. I'm like, guys, really though? Um, as if whatever update they have planned is not going to be super complete until they've, you know, unless they've got this stuff to implement at the same time or that the fletching table and smithing table, which to me were the two that I, I could not work out what they were going to do other than like, hey, here's another way you can craft a sword or something mm -hmm. like if there is some change coming to weaponry in a forthcoming update then good and obviously you wanted the you know fletching table and smithing table to be there for the villagers in the meantime good but that's also a case of like you were saying the left hand not talking to the right hand a little bit like you you're you're adding half of it one time and then expecting us to wait for the other half is it's a little bit strange i can i can sort of understand the philosophy behind it but it still comes across as a little bit strange yeah and if i mean if those designs have changed or if they they've there's been a decision to to move uh, an update that was not coming until later up to closer uh and they don't want to do the work twice like i can appreciate uh this is the functionality that this block would serve now but mm -hmm. now that we have a, another update planned down the line that we didn't know about six months ago, that functionality is going to change. It doesn't make any sense to put the man hours in or woman hours uh, to create that functionality now only to redo it and like turn it on its head. I don't remember where I saw this. I don't know whether it was a discord or whether it was whether it was a, a tweet, um, but somewhere I had read about a potential combat update coming um, to Minecraft. It's it's the sensible thing to assume if they're holding back the things that make bow and arrow related stuff right. and the things that make tools and weapons so, right and so and that's that's where i'm thinking that is probably coming from i complete guess i, I have no i know especially with the pvp community being stalled on 1.8 because they don't like 1.9 and above mm -hmm. combat it makes sense that they're going to revisit combat at some point. Jeb has been murmuring about this on Twitter occasionally. Oh, so maybe that's what it was. Yeah, you, you can you can assume that maybe 1.15 is going to be something combat related if they're holding back the functionality of those. But then you've got people speculating about 1.15 before 1.14 is even out. And maybe that's <laughs> well, how the hype cycle drives itself. But it just frustrates yeah. me that we can't focus on the here and now. No, I, I agree. And at the same time, too, I mean, while it's... A problem when you're Moyang, it's frustrating, but probably a good problem to have. Like yeah, I, expe are like, I expect like, so. I want to know how I'm going to be playing your game that's 10 years old in two years. Please yeah. tell me now. Yeah, like, yeah. That's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but but one of the things that I know we're gonna have to, to deep dive on is the villager trading, and I I woefully do not know enough about it. I didn't have time to dive into the snapshot. I did watch some videos about iron farms but i don't know much about the villager trading stuff but you had some hands-on so what like what was your impression of actually trading and working with villagers so 
it, I like I said, I love the new villager system. It's great to plonk down a workstation in front of an unemployed villager and have them immediately switch to a specific vocation. The trades seem to be a little bit more random. They are at the very least different from the existing trades that villagers have now. And they are like <laughs> the reason I put they they level up to gain XP, which they did already, but they have like a visible XP bar to get more trades. So they start off as like a novice blacksmith or whatever, and then you trade with them a few times, they gain XP. I don't know if a single trade like unlocks a whole new level, but I imagine that once it gets balanced a little bit more, you'd have to do several trades to unlock the next tier of stuff. And then right. at that point they become like an apprentice blacksmith, and then they become like a journeyman blacksmith, and then a master blacksmith. And a few of, like, I, I logged into the survival guide world in a snapshot for Tuesday's video, and several of my villagers were already masters because I traded with them already, but they still had all of their old trades. So I've not necessarily seen the full run of trades that people can have in the new update, but it's going to be different from the current thing where farmers always have wheat, carrots, potatoes as the first trades, and then they have a couple of things where you can buy apples and cookies from them, and then they have melons and pumpkins, and then they have cake at the end. That's going to be different now, and, and it's going to be different for each individual farmer. So you will have to try out a few different farmers to see which one has favorable trades, or even has a melon trade to begin with, because they're not all going to trade melons. That obviously lends a little bit more variety to the search for the perfect farmer and also lends a little bit of depth to trading halls so that you're not just finding one villager and sticking with them forever. As far as the trades refreshing and stuff goes and having them have to go to workstations and stuff, it kind of makes sense. It's going to change the design of trading halls completely from what I understand. Although, you know, if you've got a, a villager sort of blocked into a single space right now, just putting a workstation in there with them is looking like it might be enough. I don't know if they actually need sleep anymore or if sleep is just a convenient part of their daily routine for the purposes of, you know, yeah. looking like an animated, realistic village. Um, but I think they restock at the workstation specifically and they don't get too cranky if they don't have sleep anymore. So, yeah, I'm not quite certain how those mechanics work and it's going to take a little bit more fiddling with that to figure it out. But I And even then, I mean, like adding a bed and a workstation to a into a, a trading hall. I mean, not maybe not working for a trading hall that's already been built, but if you're designing a new one and you want to have a number of villagers all, you know, next to their, you know, their their blocks, uh, yeah. their profession blocks next to a bed, not a whole lot of space you're adding you know four to six blocks of space depending on your aesthetics and how you want to decorate it and so so it's not it's a bit it's a big change but not um not a change that you have to then like completely rethink the way that it may work like there there's some logical throughput of like okay well it worked like this before these are the new parameters that have to be in place how can we just like tweak the existing designs to see how it's gonna how it's gonna go the thing that i'm unclear on is stuff like trades restocking or changing for example when you find that librarian that will trade you a mending book for 10 emeralds how long do you have that trade yeah that's that's something i still need to look into because from what i understand the trades are going to change but i don't know if that's such a dynamic thing or if it's just like right. you know one 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 villager will continue to trade you whatever but then their profession can change even if they change professions and then switch back, they still have all of the trades they had last time you spoke to them as, say, like a librarian that you switch to a shepherd, but then you switch him back to a librarian. He's still going to have the trades he had uh. the first time he was a librarian for you. And I don't know if then 
when you do all of the trading and restocking at that point, that changes, but they definitely change the prices on you. Like the price depends on your reputation with the village and the demand. So they're going to put prices up if you're like forking over tons of emeralds for mending books. They're going to go, okay, well, this guy is clearly willing to spend a little bit more for a mending book. So we put the prices up, but then you have the option of completing a couple of raids, getting that hero of the village effect, bringing the prices down. And I think Mm. they start off with the price a little bit lower when they don't know you. And then they can jack the prices mm. up if, say, you've attacked a couple of villagers and they don't like you at that point. There's a few different that, variables there. There's there's some there's some interesting economy mechanics that are in there that I think is it. There are a lot of technical people that are going to really enjoy that. Like they're going to be like, okay, how how can I how can I game the sales system? Like how can <laughs> I be how can I be the you know the wholesaler and you know versus the customer? Like there, there's some interesting stuff happening there. I mean, servers already have their own economy. Uh, in terms of like uh, players selling blocks or things, things that they've made a giant farm of, you know, four diamonds or four a block that they want a lot of. Um, for example, I use a lot of glass on the Citadel and I have a bone farm. So I will, I trade bones, but I don't want diamonds. I want sand <laughs> or glass that I can then just smelt and use and use in other builds. So I don't mm-hmm. have to go sand mining all the time. Uh, the, I mean, mentally, I'm just thinking like, okay, so I'm going to be hanging out a lot with my current mending villager. There's going to be a lot of mending books in a shulker box yeah, <laughs> for exactly. when I roll I, over to 1.14. I think stocking up on trades that you like, stocking up on iron, emeralds, uh, yeah. stuff emeralds, like that yeah. is, is going to be yeah. is going to be very much worthwhile before the we make the switch. But I don't think yeah. I don't think villager trading is cancelled at this point. No, like I think no. I think it is very much something that the community will adapt to, and it's going to be fun watching people adapt to the changes and finding out. Okay, if you like trade with this guy once and twice and then you do two raids that's like the optimal amount of discount that you get and they don't drive the prices any lower than that because then Mm. that's how you start to game the system a little bit and finding the the players who are willing to put in the effort to you know data mine that a little bit or just test stuff until they figure out what works that's going to be an interesting time and it's fun to have a community playing around with those mechanics that said the community is already playing around with iron farms and there is there is a little bit different now once again i should point out iron farming is not cancelled either iron farming is still possible and i know joel you've been looking into this a little bit yourself so yes if uh, if you want to share your thoughts on iron farming because it's different but it's not gone no exactly so uh, we have a small iron farm in the spawn chunks on the citadel and it's one of those things that you know it's two layers of water it's one village and it it, i don't remember what the drop rates are but it's Mm -hmm. plenty for us you know like there's a half a chest of iron blocks and a full chest of iron ingots and a second chest of iron ingots that never gets filled up like we we use enough of it but we never use all of it so it's not the end of the world for us. Uh, I don't know how something like this is going to affect somebody that's got 600 drops in an, an hour on a technical server where yeah. they need that, you know, like where the hoppers and the minecart rails and like that kind of stuff is a real, real problem. Uh, iron farms in general are going to have to be redesigned. They just, they will not work the way that they used to. That's just a fact. Uh, the good news here though, uh, to shed some light on some positive is that one of the frustration uh, that I have is that you can't build doors near your iron farm. You mm-hmm. can't build doors near your villager breeder because it breaks the functionality of how those work currently, which means that they have to be ugly and off somewhere out of the way. Now, your iron farm, you're probably going to want to put in your spawn chunks anyway, provided that it, they still work the way that they're supposed to. Um, 
But a villager breeder, you have to have that within player loaded chunks for it to actually function. And if that can't have any doors next to it, that means that you can't currently put your villager breeder anywhere near farms mm -hmm. where villagers are also doing stuff. So it, it causes some issues. If those features are changing, it means that you're, if a villager breeder is even possible, because that's, that we don't know, um, you could potentially have it be integrated into builds. All of these things are going to be better looking as opposed to these really odd looking uh, machines and, and builds that, that um, take advantage of this mechanic. Uh, they it doesn't look like great news for large servers that want epic iron drops. Yeah, I did watch I did watch a Doc M video, and I can't re, I can't repeat exactly how he explained it. I will have a link to both Doc M and an El Mango YouTube video in in the show notes, um, and they go into better detail about explaining specifically what's happening with the villagers and when. And you have the the added bonus of the visual of the villagers doing what they say they're doing when they say they're doing it mm -hmm. which i think it helps quite a bit um but it, it right now in order to create an iron golem villagers have to gossip they do that at a meeting place currently it can be a bell it doesn't have to be a bell uh, but you have to have 10 or more villagers gossiping back and forth and essentially what they say is holy smoke we're out in the middle of nowhere and we have no protection we need a golem and mm -hmm. so they spawn a golem. And then you as a player have to remove that golem from their vicinity so that they think they don't have a golem and they try to spawn in another one. Yeah. But so they the, only... the usual kind of things, water streams, baiting them with zombies, yeah. the kind of stuff that yeah. they will track to, yeah. Toss them into a, into a lava trap, kill the golem quickly, and yep. remove it from the game so that the villagers think, oh crap, we still need a golem. Mm -hmm. uh, I am unclear as to whether that only happens in the evening um, or what, but in Doc M's video, he had something crazy like 300 villagers in six or 12 cells yep. all piled on top of each other. You know, 20 villagers per cell, you know, times eight or 12 cells, like it, in order to get really fast drop rates. Now, on the surface, it's a much smaller than design than something like, say, an Iron Titan or or a really huge, you know, um, Iron Farm build that you would have seen someone like Tango Tech build or, or something. Yeah. Uh, seems way less labor intensive from a block placing geography standpoint. Getting villagers, getting 300 villagers is not an easy task. <laughs> Especially um, with villager breeding mechanics basically being not present unknown. in the latest snapshot yeah. yeah yeah so so that that part is you know not great also uh, a number of videos that i've seen um and i can't remember who and and when i watched them but i i watched a few uh they'll quickly tell you yes okay this works this is you know x amount of iron an hour but uh it is a hog on performance yeah. so you probably don't want this running on your server 24 7 you know you probably don't want this running on your single player world 24 7 so there there's stuff like that that i think is still going to be balanced out um but uh to shed a another positive note i did watch a waddles video and uh he was very adamant about saying change is good what you're going to see is you're going to see the technical community look at this as a challenge and say okay how can we make this efficient? How can we make an iron farm the way that we used to or the way that we want to in a way that doesn't lag our worlds, that doesn't require a lot of, you know, uh, input or, or you know, um, large villages and, and slow response. Like, how can we manipulate slash take advantage of these mechanics in a way that suits our needs? And that is where you get invention and fun yeah. and the people these kind of people really crave that kind of stuff so i'm curious to see where it's going to go 
I don't know what it means for smaller scale farms and smaller scale servers like the Citadel. I'm, I'm, uh, the jury is out on that. I really, I really don't know. Uh, I'm happy that it's not been made completely undoable. That there's still an iron golem farm mechanic in the game. Uh, that uh, to to quote something that Logical Geek Boy said a couple weeks ago, they're changing a current function they're not removing a current function yes and yeah. and that's and that's good like taking it away would be bad mm -hmm. changing it is neither bad nor good it's just a change and we'll see how we have to wait you know we don't know whether it's going to be overall a good or a bad change it's going to be a change and if you want to play on 1.14 it's going to be a change you have to uh, adapt to yeah right and i think that's the takeaway from it really is that change will you know it will have this period of innovation again like i've noticed a couple of different attitudes towards the changes in iron golem spawning mechanics and the the one that i think i find most valid is the sort of the lack of depth in the new mechanics in a way because like the challenge before was to create as many villages as possible as many valid villages as possible in a small enough space so that they would all be able to stack on top of one another and that's how stuff like the iron titan works and that in itself is a sort of technical achievement that now seems to have gone based on the fact that they don't need doors to spawn iron golems anymore for a village to exist. They just need to have a meeting point and gossip. And that, as a mechanic, amounts to a design that you don't really see the need to expand because you can create it in such a small space. And, you know, adding additional iron farm chunks sort of elsewhere in within like the render distance that you've got loaded or within your spawn chunks isn't going to be super necessary because you could just put more villagers in one place and it would start to produce more iron in much the same way so there is a lack of depth there um i can buy that argument but then considering that moyang isn't here to make iron farms intended behavior they can still like have an iron golem spawning mechanic but they're not here to make it like interesting for villagers uh, for villagers for players rather to to farm iron because it's not meant to be part of the game there's a limit to what they can do to really make it more varied and it ultimately is going to have to come down to what mechanics they feel like they can give villagers within this current system what i what i feel like the community tends to dwell on is the idea that existing iron farms are going to break and that this sort of legacy of old designs from players is going away and i find a lot of people get mad about that and that is an attitude i don't really care for because i mean i if you if you just built an iron titan on your server and this announcement has come out that like doors are no longer a part of iron farms you have my utmost sympathy <laughs> because that's a yeah. lot of work and obviously it's work. been a lot of work to design it in the first place and i get that the idea of all of that effort now not coming to anything new is kind of it's a shock to the system right but mm. Half of the people who work on iron farms have now got new iron farms based on the new mechanics. They're still dialing this stuff in. Like you said, like Wattle said, we've got this period of invention that's going to come about where people are really going to refine what this stuff means. And that's assuming that it doesn't have another change coming up in a future update. Because, you know, even within the last few updates, iron golem spawn rates have changed. You know, certain things about villager behavior might have changed and there is scope for that stuff to be updated going forward. So before we know it, in 1.15, we might have a different way of spawning more iron golems, but one that doesn't impact performance quite so much. 
By that point, we'll probably have figured out what the optimum number of villages and the configuration of villages is. Some people are even talking about moving villages around in minecarts so they can make better eye contact with each other to gossip. And there's, there's stuff like that that's coming through that's just really interesting to me. So if you are bemoaning the lack of, you know, support for the current generation of iron farms, you know, on behalf of the creators of those iron farms, don't. Because there's no point in doing that. It doesn't lead to anything productive. And guess what? If you if you want to play in a version before 1.14, so you can still have your Iron Titan, it's still perfectly possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing that we have to... I, I'm certainly not... I mean, I, I'm not usually one to, to, to drop judgment anyway, but I'm holding any real kind of like plans or, uh, you know, concerns or any real deep dive into the final release. Like once we get into pre-release, then you say, okay, these are more than likely the way that things are going to go for yeah. forward. Yeah, it's, it's now we can in really, that stage. Yeah, we can really start to figure out like, what am I going to have to do if I want to do to update the Citadel to 1.14, which I will, I want, I'll, I'll want to do that. I, mm -hmm. you know, that's part of, I really enjoyed the first few episodes of my YouTube series when I updated to 13, to 1.13 and I had to go around and fix a bunch of farms because water mechanics completely changed and I yeah. use water streams to move things. Uh, and in a lot of ways, water streams are now my favorite part of 113 yeah i didn't dislike fixing uh fixing the water streams it wasn't hard it was a couple of it was a checklist like i had to go around and, and sort some stuff out but it wasn't anything that was necessarily bad in the long run now uh early on there was a problem with our iron farm actually with 1.13 they fixed it by the point two patch where iron golems were spawning outside of the center of the village so that yep. they were not getting caught in my trap and they are not they were not dying so we would get one or two iron golems that would then fall to the ground and we'd have like six iron iron golems walking around the iron farm and the farm would still be producing iron golems but they would not be being collected they had to be manually killed which is not ideal yeah so you know and that eventually got got tweaked and fixed uh because it was it was technically a bug they weren't behaving the way that they were supposed to so you know there's all these things that are going to have to fall in place before we can really see where where this is is going but all of the people that i've watched that were putting out new uh iron golem farms yourself included you know just kind of jumping in and saying like hey let's see if we can figure this out no one was bemoaning the yeah. fact that they had to do it it was just kind of like i have an opportunity to make new content i have a new challenge technically where i've already i mean you can imagine that as as much as people love their you know 500 you know drops of iron an hour at a certain point when an update has been out for so long the very technical players that know this game backwards forwards and upside down are probably a little bored yeah and to have a new challenge and say like well things are going topsy-turvy time to put on my you know uh my my technical player hat uh and and really dive into it i think there are a certain number of people probably the majority of the technical players that get very excited about that kind of stuff yeah i think the ideal situation for me is one in which there are a variety of approaches to a mechanic all of which are equally valid so you have mm -hmm. you have like a small scale iron farm, you have a big scale iron farm, but they all produce iron the same way. And I, I would love it if there was like like we say more depth to the mechanics so that potentially like there are a few different ways around the problem rather than just like let's stick as many villages as possible in one place. But that's what's gonna come out over the next little period of time. And yeah. Doc M's iron farm with three hundred villages or whatever it was was producing about five hundred iron per hour. 
I think Frilioth had a design where, incidentally, the golems were suffocating in a block because they could spawn without adequate head height, and that was uh, generating a fair amount of iron too, but he had two cells of, I think, 240 villagers each or something like that, and that was huge, obviously. 480 villagers is enough to definitely slow your world down for sure, but that's if you want 500 iron per hour. The iron farm that I've built in my single-player world, which, yes, is not a server, I'm not providing iron for an entire community of technical players, that generates 40 iron per hour, and it's still more than I need. I've still got beacons permanently set up in two separate places, completely with iron blocks, because I don't need that many iron blocks right now. Yeah. So, and, and it's still producing iron for me, and it will do passively in the background, because it's built in my spawn chunks. So I think that, obviously, while there are one or two technical servers that are definitely going to bemoan the lack of you know, a consistent production of the volume of iron that they need... For the average player, it's really not going to affect them that badly. They're going to have to rebuild an iron farm, and that's really all they'll need to do. The average single-player world is going to be able to benefit from this, probably even with a little bit more iron than they're getting already per hour. The, there's mm -hmm. there's two factors at play here. There's the amount of iron, and then there is time. <laughs> like, if your iron yield is slow and steady, you still get iron. You just have to AFK in your single-player world for a little bit longer, just build yourself a box that it's safe for you to stand in, maybe do some AFK fishing, and leave the world logged in at a time when you would normally have your computer switched off. And then you come back, and you've still got a bunch of iron there. On servers, you know, people are obviously going to be logging in quite frequently to pick up iron from the iron farm, but it's still going to be mounting up there in the background if it's built within a place where it's constantly going to be loaded. So, yeah, I, I think that the fact that iron farms are now so small and easy to build means that you could probably build one in the spawn chunks at the start, and then when the servers got enough iron to get started elsewhere and you're likely to be building more laggy stuff further out. Maybe you take down that one at the spawn chunks and move the villagers somewhere where you can only load the chunk every now and again, and mm. and that becomes a slightly more accessible thing, so that it, it's it's a little bit of, like, on-the-go lag-busting that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and satellite iron farms. Like, maybe the solution isn't one iron farm that's producing a lot. Maybe it's just have a bunch. Yeah, you everybody know. everybody has one iron farm that produces forty iron an hour with like forty villagers, and and yeah. that's that's kind of all you'll need. Um, <laughs> obviously, yeah, yeah. Get, get it, getting the uh, the villagers all in one place is going to be difficult. We still don't know how breeding works. I yeah, still don't that's know a giant if, question mark too. I don't know if crop farming is still possible. I don't know if I I haven't really mm. checked that out. I think the the farmers now interact with the composter rather than the farmland, but I think they still hang around the farmland and have the potential to you know, farm crops, but I don't know if that mechanic was disabled. Interestingly enough, by the way, I went into the uh, Minecraft Survival Guide world in the snapshot, and all of the villagers in my villager breeder were in love mode, and there were hearts going off like crazy above their heads, but they weren't producing kids. And so mm. it's not necessarily that, like, the love mode they can enter is, like, they're, they're, they're willing to breed, they just aren't breeding. And interestingly enough, that was happening without there being any doors present in the cell above the breeding space. So either the game kind of remembered that those villagers had been willing to breed at one point, and they were just like in the mood, like the gossip or whatever led to them right. wanting to breed together, or there's something just fundamentally broken about breeding that needs to get actually fixed. Well, well breeding is based on population, right? And previously it was X amount of doors. I, I don't remember the math, but it was if X amount of doors equals Y amount of villagers. Yeah, and the more one, doors one, that you have... One villager the, for every three doors, yeah. 
Yeah, so that the more doors that you have, the more villagers would ha- you'd they'd want to have. And the yeah. idea is the same same as an iron farm is that you'd remove the new villager from the situation, so that the two villagers or three villagers are always trying to make a fourth, and then you just remove the fourth to keep that flow going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, when it comes to population, I haven't seen anybody talk about what controls a village population now. Yeah, and and if with it being tied to potentially beds and workstations to determine what constitutes a village, we don't know yet because we've been talking about this update as if it's feature complete. There are still a couple of significant things missing, mm-hmm. and they are probably counted as bugs that need to be ironed out, like the lack of a a breeding mechanic. But to me, it seems like they would probably have to implement something that ties it into the new behaviors. Uh, mm. Likewise, yeah, I'm not sure if crop farming is still possible. And I had a neat idea for a trading hall design which basically relied on the mechanic that if you rang a bell, then they'll run inside. This is something that exists in the Bedrock beta versions that we talked about in a previous episode. And I got to thinking maybe if you make the villagers kind of mingle around in like a yard area outside, and then each of the individual trading cells has a door on the back, and then if you ring the bell, they all run inside, but that's basically them running to the trading cells because that's what counts as inside with the door then you could set up trading halls like that. So you ring a bell and all of your villagers come to you. I like that idea. And I yeah. really want to see I mean, that is, happen. Is the, is the irony not lost in you that you know the Wall Street bell is a real thing? <laughs> no, like exactly. That's, that's yeah, the, it's like... They tra- start trading. Yeah. Trading, exactly. Trading and, and, has begun for the day. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, I, and I, I, something... thought, I thought that'd be a great idea, but unfortunately the bell doesn't have that functionality in this snapshot yet. So I'm like, you're calling right. this feature complete, but you know, I think it's a, yeah. a very loose definition of feature complete at this stage. Yeah. Yeah, I think also too that there are some opportunities here to get really creative with stuff, and I I'm brought back to my MMO days where you know you walk into a city uh, like we'll say Orgrimmar, you know, from World of Warcraft, and that is where you go to buy stuff, you know, to yeah. trade in your goods for cash to do that kind of thing, and that's always a cool experience, you know, whether it's your first time or your you know uh, or a familiar you know um, happy place, you know, when you're going back to the big city. And I'm kind of wondering whether you could then take advantage and, and maybe the the better way to do this is going to be to create a village, maybe customize it the way you want, get the villagers in the right houses that you want, an opportunity to make a cool build for a librarian and a cool build for a blacksmith. And then when you want to go do your trading and you want to go do that kind of stuff, walk back into the village and yeah. and say like, oh, hey, I have to go over this familiar hill to the blacksmith place where, I, well, blacksmith is a bad example, but because we don't have functionality for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, going back and I want to go to the, to the library because I want to get a new book, you know, for my, for my new sword or something like that. And I think that there could be, you know, examples of pillager proofing trademark uh, your, you know, your, your village and and turning it into something really really cool uh and and adding a lot of gameplay like so for anybody that ever complains about being bored in minecraft well <laughs> like i think they they've just added quite a bit that will keep you uh you know keep you busy if you want to add just a little bit of rp in there you know and get a little bit more creative with it uh i find that um something that i find I will say I find it uninteresting, and it's not a criticism, but I find a lot of the technical technical videos are very plain. Like, very seldom do you see someone say, hey, here's how to do this kind of farm, and here's how to make it look nice. Yeah. Right? You don't... That's usually left up to somebody else. And so I find that, you know... uh, Approaching it from a midpoint of like aesthetics and technical stuff, uh, you open up yourself to, yes, a little bit more work, but it also is hopefully more fun. 
And I, I would love to know what the community thinks about this because I'm pretty sure everybody is going to have an opinion on the changes in this update and what exactly the, the whole village and pillage update means at this stage. But that is where our opinions are going to end because it's time to wrap up this episode of the Spawn Chunks. Uh, I think we've had a great discussion. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, you can find out more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about at thespawnchunks.com. You will probably want to do your research on this subject, so give it a look. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. You might notice that other podcasts you've listened to read ads during the runtime of the podcast. Sometimes they'll take a break in the middle to read ads. Joel and I don't do that, and that's because our show is entirely funded by listeners through Patreon. If you get some value out of the show, you might want to consider putting some value back in and allowing us to continue that listener-supported thing. If you go to patreon.com slash thespawnchunks, you can join our community, and pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, getting us closer to our quarterly Patreon hangout goal. We are currently at 68 patrons, which is three new community members from last week. You are most welcome, and I think you've been getting a warm welcome in the Discord community as well. And we want to give a special thanks to our content engineer, Pankwa, for supporting this episode. It's worth noting that we are really close to actually hitting that Patreon goal for the uh, quarterly hangout. Uh, and essentially, if we hit that relatively soon, we will just dive in and do uh, a hangout for the first quarter, even if we don't hit it by the end of March. Uh, April, something like that. We'll just do a first quarter hangout and then schedule the rest of them along the way. We've also added a new goal for a chunk mail dispenser. Uh, we've been getting quite a lot of email to the show, which is fantastic. It's an awesome problem to have. Mm. But as you can imagine, <laughs> we can't get through it all in, in an episode. Yes. Every now and again, when we have a slow news week, we'll dive into some extra chunk mail. But there's just too much uh, to get through and too many good ideas and good comments to 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 get through yeah we've, we've uh, so spun entire episodes out of single emails at one point ah, so, absolutely yeah, yeah. It, we, so so thank you for the thoughtful email uh so what we're going to do is try to add a uh a segment a segment to the render distance the the post show where we tackle a few extra chunk mail things here and there to try and help clear out the backlog uh we also have uh, another feature coming in the live recording day goal which uh is going to involve patrons and that is where uh, johnny and i just turn on the, the live button and people can tune in via discord and listen to us do the show in its entirety from start to finish live uh, on discord so there's a lot of benefits to becoming a, a, a supporter of the spawn chunks one of the free ways that you can support the show is very, very easy. Just tell people about it. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the, far the best way. Uh, poke a friend in the arm, tell a server mate, hey, listen to this podcast. The more people that know about us and listen to us, the better. That is always a, a fantastic way to share the show. You can email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com, and you can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify, and now, as of last week, on YouTube as well. Worth noting, it is still an audio podcast. There's no video content on YouTube. There's just a still image that, that plays for the duration. But if YouTube is where you want to listen to your podcasts, if that's where you hang your Minecraft hat, then we are there as well now. You can also review the show if you're out on any of those iTunes and Android platforms, as well as a few others. And the review this week comes from Best Number 72 from the iTunes store in the US. Very professional. The majority of Minecraft podcasts are really unprofessional and cringeworthy. This is uh, Best Number's opinion, not ours. Uh, that's what's different. Pix and John, <clears throat> Joel, are taking the ver this very ser seriously. Keep doing it. 
Okay, I think we will. Uh, thanks very much, best number. I appreciate the, you, the you hear that? review. You hear that, Joel? We're very professional and not cringeworthy at all. Exciting. No. <laughs> I'm so glad to have been validated after all this time. That's a pat on the back if I've ever heard one in the Minecraft Absolutely, community. absolutely. I will take that to the bank. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, RSS feed is on the spongechunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That is the only place where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Pixel Riffs and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called The Minecraft Survival Guide. When 1.14 comes around it's going to get even more crazy and wonderful and I will hopefully understand some of the mechanics by then. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick YouTube search and I stream Minecraft three days a week on Twitch as well. Aside from that I'm at pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. And if you're interested in hiring me, then just drop me a line. I do all kinds of stuff, not just cartooning and illustration. I also do graphics and motion graphics for things like YouTube. So if you're out there and you have a channel, uh, get in touch. You can also listen to The Citadel Cafe, a podcast that I talk about geeky and sci-fi entertainment on. We did a huge show last week about Captain Marvel. So if you have seen it or are not worried about spoilers, uh, then you can even check out the bonus content on that uh, and uh, let us know over there what you think about Captain Marvel. It was a lot of fun. I think everybody should go see it. Uh, and last but not least, I'm going to point you towards YouTube. It is just my name, Joel Duggan. I do Minecraft content for the most part, and it is a fairly chill experience. I'd be curious to what you think. I'm coming up on 500 subscribers. I'd like to try and crack that before the end of the month. So go say hi at youtube.com slash Joel Duggan. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Get your crossbows ready.